Welcome to another episode of Distry. Uh, my name is Kirk from Walrus Carp, and with me, as always, is Kate, the Disney Cicerone. Tonight, we are going to be talking about the Jungle Cruise and specifically the animals, the phylum animalia, and like how do they build these things? What did they look like? Who was involved? And uh, and more, maybe. <laughs> and more. Kate, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing so good. I'm just coming off of a trip from Disneyland and I had a lot of fun going to Club 33 and the Disney Studios and I learned all kinds of things that I got to take back here for history. But um, I'm very excited to talk about the animals because I feel like we've been dancing around it for a couple of weeks because we've, we've been talking about construction. I was like, hey, don't talk about the animals. <laughs> We're like, yeah. wait, nope, we can't talk about that yet. Nope, well, there's there's nope. so many. It's so funny, right? Because like we will like peter into things just like doo -doo -doo. But that we, we know, like, this is a whole other episode. And um, yeah, even this one, we talked about, we want to talk about the animals and the construction and the sculpting, but we don't want to talk about, like, the scenes and where yeah. all the animals are placed yet. So we're still not doing storyline yet. We're still in construction mode. We're still in that grandiose one year that they took to build literally everything, and that's why it was all, you know, pretty messed up. But, yeah. <laughs> was a good way to put it. They took a few years to really kind of finesse it after that. You mm. know, I feel like they're that they just kind of got the bones in place of the park yeah. and then they had to fix everything as they went after that. Hey, you need a good foundation and they got it up and running. And uh, man, I wish uh, I wish projects uh, took only a year. I mean, they literally built an entire park in a year and it took us Tron for like eight years. So <laughs> was it worth the wait? Yes, it was. So I don't know. I just, haven't been on it. And well, won't well, be on it well, for some time. <laughs> ah, you'll get here eventually. It'll be fine. Sneak you on. Um, so can I go? I, I know we do this. I'm gonna still do it. Can I go back in time? Yes. Just so because, like, when you're when you're finding history, you end up finding stuff. And I just I absolutely love I know, this. I know. Uh so I found some outfits of some of the previous uh skippers. And oh. so this this is just a tourist. He's taking a picture. I don't know what he's taking a picture of because the boat's right behind him. Like, where are you? And look at those loafers. But no, the uh, two things of note is here's a jungle skipper in that nice little Havana <laughs> hat. He's wearing flip flops. Like culottes and flip flops. <laughs> flip flops and culottes. But the other thing of note over here is if we go all the way to the skipper, and his right forearm, that gentleman has a tattoo, a <gasps> visible tattoo, which I think is pretty crazy because this was um, this was taken in 1955. So Man, pretty cool. And crazy. then <laughs> there's another this. It seemed like the flip flops were a big thing. And uh, those like uh, waiters, you know, the flood pants the capris. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. And and obviously Hawaiian shirts because everyone wore Hawaiian shirts, hats and flip-flop everyone wore flip-flops man yeah this well the skippers we mentioned this before in a previous episode the skippers really got to choose their own outfits i heard an interview with an original mm -hmm. jungle skipper um recently and they he said that he kind of chose more of a skipper type hat and like a and more of a safari shirt like the, but they just they said basically just wear clothes that seem to match this theme somehow so <laughs> right. some, of them like, went, some of them did just figure it out i don't know go to a marshall's them, yeah. they'll have something <laughs> Did you even have Marshalls back? No, then? they didn't have Marshalls, dude. That's, that's the that's the joke. I'm gonna have to send the cops over to your house to arrest you for lack of sense of humor. I think that's illegal in some states. 
Maybe this wasn't a very. Maybe not Oregon. I think like I feel like Oregon can't take a joke, so they probably you know. Well, even if they could. (laughs) Well, I mean, where are you going to take it? You know. You're not making friends over here. I'll tell you. Great. I could take a one less one less uh, rain cloud and uh, voodoo donut. I'm fine. (laughs) I can go over to City Walk. Don't knock. Do not knock Voodoo Donuts. It's good. Donuts. I can go to City Walk. Good it donuts. exists in Orlando. I can go there. I could go to uh, Denver. There's plenty of places. Although yeah, you have better donuts than Voodoo. Just saying. We also but. have Salt and Straw, but I could do without Salt and Straw. I just don't take my Voodoo Donuts. That's no. no it's thanks. Salt and Straw. <laughs> this is a tangent, but like I have to say this. I know it's local and I know it's Oregon. You know, excitement, happy, proud, sure. Uh, <laughs> salt and Straw is a it's literally the the uh what are those like Burt's beans those boddington harry potter gross like nasty flavors they just <laughs> make like ridiculous flavors just to make them that's what that place is it's a giant freak show of flavors it's like you know i never understood why we've never had a blue cheese and ranch uh ice cream let's make that and you're like what are we doing and everybody's it, like oh very- you got to try it you have to understand, it's very iconic to, like, uh, Pacific Northwest culture to do something like that, um, where you make something that is, it's a little bit offbeat, but it's also a little bit more sophisticated in that way. That's very much like yeah, Portland, okay. Seattle, like, this is, that's kind of our jam. So it makes I didn't, sense. I didn't realize that <laughs> making a turkey dinner in a waffle cone was that elite of uh, Epicurean sensibilities. But what do I know? It is weird. Oh, They're gosh. all weird. I don't know. But people were very excited when it showed up at um, Disney Springs. So, and they always have a line. So, it must be decent. Yeah, it was funny. It was I was looking in downtown Disney, and there was Salt and Straw. And the line was like around the corner, and I was like, "I'll just wait till I go home and get it for no line." I was like, yeah. "No, I'm good." Yeah, there's no line back home because everybody's like, "Dude, why would you go to that place? Like, you can actually get like good ice cream the other place." Anyway, we. We should get back to the animals. I think we've gone on, I on can't. a significant I can't change. help it. You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. We start talking about Oregon. We're going to have words. So uh, <laughs> um, so you were talking about the skippers. Did you have anything else besides the, the skippers' outfits? Uh, no, for like going time. back in time? No. no. Yeah. I, I mean, I do have some back in time stuff that prefaces um, animals and whatnot. So like inspirational okay. things before we get there. But, you know. Well, I don't know where uh, you're at. I mean, I'm in jumping into animals and Harper Groff talking about why we don't have live ones. Do you have anything for that? Uh, no, you know what? Let's I, I like that. I think mine will transfer nicely right after that. Perfect. All right. So <laughs> I have this great quote from Harper Goff that talks about, um, you know, of course, we've all heard the stories about how Walt really wanted live animals in this attraction. So this is um, Harper Goff talking about that. He said, It was going to be all the tropical rivers of the world, which is a marvelous idea. And then we were talking about live animals and um, um, putting an elephant in there. And we put a chimpanzee in here and there'll be a giraffe here. In other words, it was kind of a zoo that you'd ride through. And it wasn't until long after that that we were told by authorities, you couldn't do that. They said, you'll go through and the animals will be hiding. They'll be asleep because they don't like human beings. So they they just consulted some experts and they were just like, that's not going to work out for you to have live animals for this. Not to mention the costs and the expense of getting all of those animals. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I uh, I resonate with those animals a lot. Not really into human beings and cost too much. 
So I feel like that makes <laughs> sense. The, uh, I mean, if you think about Dak, right? Dak is our most expensive park and it has nothing to do with guests. It has everything to do with uh, animals. And that's why they have to do so much conservation efforts to keep that going. Yeah, the animal care experts said that um, the animals would be unpredictable, expensive, and complicated to feed in-house. Those were like their almost exact words. Um, so then they, Harper Goff says, we began to think of hippos and other animals which could be operated without, um, with, with wires and with, that would still have animated elements. So that's when they kind of like made that transition from, <clears throat> excuse me, from um, live animals to maybe something that wasn't audio animatronic because we didn't have that term yet. That didn't exist yet at this time because we're talking about 1954, um, headed into 1955 when they're building this park. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, right. yeah, no, no real animals doesn't make sense. It's going to be boring for guests, too. Yeah. So they decided that they were going to bring in Bob Matty, who, if you have known that name before, have heard that name before, he was from... 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, he did the art, he did the giant squid for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. <clears throat> and he also, by the way, made the shark for Jaws later in his career. So if you're familiar with that shark, same, same guy. Bob Matty also has a window on Main Street USA. If you're in Disneyland and you go down Center Street and you go look to the right <clears throat> and look up, you'll see his window, which was one of a few windows on Main Street that actually got replaced by another name and then his name got put back. So fun little aside for that. So yeah. the uh, I'm going to add another name to this without complicating things, but I think you need to know there's there's like a sculptor and there's really the mechanics behind things. Right. So yeah. one is going to be animating. The other one is building the artistic piece. So it's really kind of a twofold project here. Uh, Chris Mueller, who also worked on 20,000 Leagues, he is the major sculptor who designs almost all the animals. And I'll get into him uh, with a little bit more detail in the future. Um, but then also, yes, correct. All the mechanics of the actual puppet itself uh, were done by Bob Maddie as well, which is I just think it's wild to think of how large that was. Uh, the other thing that's fun about uh, Bob uh, Maddie is he also gets a screen credit in Disneyland on the window. There is a taxidermist uh, window oh, with. That's what I Bob's just said. Oh, sorry. I, I missed it. I was <laughs> thinking about what I was going to say next. Yeah, I'm going to so show this, a picture. I have it. So this is what I was talking about. And so he has, um, this has actually changed over time. At one point it was Seb Moray, who was another Imagineer. And then it changed back to Bob Maddie. So for some reason it changed to Seb and then back to Bob. And But they kept taxidermists for both. So I, it's a mystery that I haven't solved yet. If anybody out there knows why they did this, I've asked even, you know, the plaids and Disneyland and stuff. Nobody knows mm. why they made that change and why it changed back. So a little mystery mystery there. Um, but yeah, that's the window I was talking about. Thanks, Kirk. No problem. We're uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, Bob, do you have anything else on uh, on Mr. Bob? I have a quote from Bob. Um, okay. Walt, Walt basically told him, make the animals look real. No shocker there. Um, and so the quote from him said, Walt said he wanted mechanical animals that looked real, animals that wiggle their ears and open their mouths. So that was his instructions from Walt Disney. And then and then I'm just going into the sculpting of animals by Chris Mueller, which you already okay, mentioned. Okay, then, then not yet. Not yet. Hold off. Yeah. Hold off. I got some more stuff. I like how I like it. he's got the big old jaws <laughs> in the background. And you also have 
Like, I mean, the just looking at the size and scope of this thing. By the way, Bob wasn't really great at this because that thing barely worked. If uh, if you ever if you recall <laughs> the movie Jaws, uh, the oh my gosh, why am I Bruce is what they named the shark, and that's also why in Finding Nemo the big great white is also named Bruce. Uh, it like barely ran, it, like barely worked like yeah. half the time, and I mean there was a lot of mechanisms within um, the actual shark itself, which is pretty wild. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack us for a second, okay? So I'm I'm going way back. I'm going way back. Okay. So I mean, when you think okay. about animals and you think about animation, you think about sculpting. I mean, that was always a premise of using live animals. Uh, I love this. I just found this hundred and one Dalmatian one, which I think is so stick and adorable that they literally had Dalma That's Dalmatians on. Yeah, I know. I know. Isn't it cute? But then it also brings me to, um, you know, what's the inspiration for some of the animals? We talked about this film before, The African Lion, which is a part of the True Life Adventure series. Uh, and then I found this really cool. It's like these little postcard kind of things, these watermarked postcards. Hang on, let me make them big. And uh, the reason why I think these scenes are valid is we'll, we'll notice that animals and their positioning, especially for the sculpting end of things, uh, a lot of these things come back, you know, especially these still shots and even even the animals that they select in terms of species. There's over 130 types of animals on um, the Disneyland version. Disney World has a lot less. We stink. Just I'm going to throw that out there. But then even, you know, you get a zebra scene and then the giraffe, of course, in the background. So a lot of these are on. And then this one, this is really cool. I don't, have you ever seen this? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so this was a like a comic that they made um, right after the film came out. And mm -hmm. inside the actual comic, it talks about uh, the lion and uh, this, like, I don't know, this whole entire scene just reminds me so much of the African Velt scene that they have, and particularly the arrangement of zebra and gazelle and then lions being in the background and the the drafts i mean it's pretty much every single animal except for you know we don't get rhinos in this one it ends up being a little bit later on and elephants are right before it and that's the walt disney world arrangement but still i just thought that was cool i'll have a story about rhinos but we'll wait for it for later not to mention about <laughs> here's a fun one what is the name of the lion but the alert is short-lived for it's only Simba. Simba. What? Simba rising to that limp off to amazing. the plains. Now, don't you be what? stealing this. I know you are. You're going to steal this no, and I'm make it. Did you know no. that's it? No, you're not. That's you yours. do that stuff better you than that. No, you. You do stuff better than me anyway. <laughs> but I thought you would, I would think that's cool. I would never steal from you. <laughs> yeah, well, you can if you want. I know. No, uh, that's your, you got to do something with that because that's fun. If I don't in the next Simba. 30 seconds make a video. <laughs> I'll send you the uh, I'll send you the spot. All right. So <laughs> the other thing, too, this is just for the future. And I found they have them at UCF. So I might be able to actually get into their library and find these. I don't know if you have or have seen any of these books, Kate, but Walt's people yeah. mm -hmm. talking Disney with the artists. So mm -hmm. there was one on volume 14, which actually has uh, Chris Mueller in there. And some of them are really, really cool, and they're long-winded. I, I just like the excerpt talks about how he also designed the Peter Pan 
ships, so like the actual attraction ships that you fly around in Fantasyland, the Chicken of the Sea pirate ship, which we know is no longer, uh, and then the Gargoyles on Cinderella Castle, which I'll talk about uh, in a second. But I, I got to get into these and see more. But Yeah, I, I really enjoy that series for anybody who's wondering. That Walt's people interviews with the Imagineers and people that worked with Walt, that those are... Mm-hmm. 100% with their, I consider them primary source interviews, direct interviews yeah. with people. And well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, those are right up our alley. And I, I was looking at uh, a couple of them that they actually have the excerpts. And I'm like, this is this. We need these next time. So, yeah. but anyway, they, they do have them on Kindle versions. Uh, and I if have you have, them. like, enough credits that, yeah, you can get them through that. But our local library has them. So I might try to do, like, an interlibrary loan for... Uh, for a couple of these and maybe we can go backtrack a little bit because i just think it would be cool to see some of those interviews yeah. so anyway yeah oh absolutely yeah. and if you don't know this is just a fun fact interlibrary loan is when you go to your local library and you go hey can you do me a favor and get this book so i don't have to travel and they will literally almost every library can get a book from somewhere in the united states if they're a part of that program and then you can get it right there and then just give it right back it's awesome it's like one of the greatest programs yeah save time yeah i um, I'm just, I tend to just download the, my Kindle cause I'm, I'm lazy, but I, Elliot, gotta pay inter, for it. It, <laughs> interlibrary loan a whole lot because he does his own research for school. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I used it a lot during, uh, when I was a history major, it was just so much easier than going to places, but I went to a lot of places for like my final thesis was in both Boston and in Philadelphia. So I was wading through churches wearing white gloves, going through primary source documents. It was very Indiana Jones, but like not. <laughs> I love that. Did you have yeah, a hat? Great. Come on. No, no. I think I was wearing <laughs> flip-flops. I think I don't think Indiana Jones wore flip-flops. Like the Jungle Cruise skippers. Yeah, I was very Jungle Cruisey in, in there. Uh, okay, That's so great. going back to Chris Mueller, and this is just a cool connection because I really, really appreciate and love this film. Uh, But this is before Disneyland. And one of the reasons why Chris Mueller ends up even getting a gig as a sculptor and being able to do the animals is his work on Creature from the Black Lagoon, which fun fact, my one friend who is both a sculptor and an artist and a painter, his name's Gene Gonda. He's actually done a Haunted Mansion shirt and a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea shirt for me. Uh, That's fun. He he loves this film. It's like one of his favorites. So there's something about Disney um, folks and... And, you know, Creature of the Black Lagoon, I don't really know why, but he actually, uh, Chris Mueller, sculpted the uh, the Gill Man, you know, from Creature of yeah. the Black Lagoon, like that actual rubber suit. He physically made him. It, it is a really funny film. You can see it online, too, if uh, if you don't have access to it or whatever. But and uh, Wait, I, I just love it. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder if they have pieces of that in the sci-fi um, restaurant, because you know how they show like clips from sci-fi movies yeah you know i don't know if there's anything from this one specifically because uh there's no trailer for this obviously there's like movie rights to certain things but yeah still and it's one of the historic monsters still um by the way this is on uh like a fan page facebook but it just had great great pictures so great he also uh, sculpted the gargoyles for Cinderella Castle. So if you go, we can actually see these tomorrow when we're at Magic Kingdom. Um, 
These gargoyles are all the way at the top. He did those. Here's his work. <laughs> He's behind the creature of the Black Lagoon right there. Looking very <laughs> Howard Hughes with that thin pencil mustache. I don't know what's up with yeah. that, but yeah. you know, but look at look at this whole the universal uh <laughs> this is the Universal's creature shop circa 1953. Look at all the monsters back there. There's like Frankenstein. There's a Frankenstein all the way at the top. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> kind of creepy. Not going to lie. No, I, I, yeah, it's, of course it's creepy. Also, uh, this was from Jaws. This was one of the whales that um, Jaws actually like fights against in Jaws 2. This is the bottom of the Gilman's suit, and there's his head. But I, I just think it's really cool. And then you can see this is his sculpting shop. Lots of resin. Lots of molds. This is going to be what we see in the future for a lot, a lot of his work. So Look, I think he's on a gator. About... He's on a gator from <laughs> just <laughs> sitting on him. Roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's Dylan. Yeah, I love that. Well, do we want to talk about the process then of how they made these animals? Sure. Should we go there? Yeah, go for it. Um, I mean, I, I only have like a little bit of it. I know that they first they made... Um, I have some more pictures than I do actual words about it, but um, first they made clay sculptures of whatever animal they were going to do. And then they used those as molds they made molds from them and then created fiberglass <coughs> bodies out of that. And if you remember, we talked about, I think last week, um, we talked about how fiberglass was such a new material at this point, so much so that the Navy was coming down to see their fiberglass boats to see what technology they were using to, to launch these Jungle Cruise boats in the water because they'd never used fiberglass in something so large before. It was a new material. So yeah. um, this was a, a somewhat um, revolutionary <laughs> pioneering it to use the to make these animals into fiberglass. And I do have but before you picture of them. Before you get into Jungle Cruise ones, can I show 20,000 League pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. This thing was huge. This giant, I mean, it was a giant squid, but it was mammoth. When you look at the scope of the bodies around it, but you can see this is all clay. That's <clears throat> what Kate was talking about. And then they do that fiberglass on the outside. Look, it's got a beak and everything. I mean, this, this thing was legit. There he is. Look. He's got his own like Jungle Cruise skipper hat on. I feel like that was a part of the deal. <laughs> I'm finding so when I was on the studio lot recently, um, the of course my picture won't show up. So this is actually where they filmed that was in this studio here. Mm -hmm. And you can see this is where they created the giant like tank full of water for things as well. Um, and I'm trying to see what the this is stage three so from 1953 to 1954 it was created built specifically for the scene in 20,000 leagues under the sea in which the nautilus was attacked by a giant squid and the complex filming involved using wind rain and waves to create a storm so they had um they created an entire stage full of water tanks that they used for that so there's a, a plaque on the outside of that studio for where they filmed that i love that if you have a fear of underwater giant squid, fake squid, that would not be the place to be. No. People were really scared of 20,000 Leagues because of that. What is that, like sub-mechnophobia uh, or whatever? Yeah, I like fear of those It's like afraid ocean. of underwater 
animatronic. No, it's like underwater animatronics. I'm not kidding. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's like a serious thing. Um, so when they're making the actual molds, I've got pictures of this process. So this shows them, I believe they're filling a fiberglass mold here for the hippos. Um, you can see them pouring in the material there. And then I have a, I should have started with the, I think this is the clay mold that they're sculpt, sculpting of the hippo here. Mm -hmm. And then they'll do the, that pour. And then they'll make it into um, the fiberglass version, which looks like this. So pretty. <laughs> Look at his like ears. He's got little ears. Well, you'll notice something really interesting as we talk about the animals here is that a lot of them don't have feet or back mm. halves or, um, you know, legs. <laughs> they, they really only made what the public would see. So they didn't always complete all of the animals to, you know, the entire animal. They only made a portion of them. So um, I don't want to show all the mechanisms yet, but you'll see like the the elephants themselves didn't have like back legs because they tucked them into the foliage so much so that you wouldn't really see that part anyway. So like this. So they were tucked so much and hidden by plants that you wouldn't see their back legs. So they only had like a front to them, which would save on costs, right? Because if nobody's going to see it, why would they make it? How the animal is just, he's way back there at the plants. <laughs> Like, you're not seeing him. They're much yeah. closer these days, so they're full elephants now. But they, the bull elephants were pretty much just the front at that point. So the publicity shots that they did, the woman who has the white scarf in these photos, her name is Ann Thompson, and she was a Disney employee. But they also had um, Miss USA um, with the, I think she was with the Nile Princess in... August of 1955, they had Miss USA Carlene King Johnson did some photos as well. So some of them are Ann Thompson. One of them I couldn't find a name for. I looked everywhere. But some of them are Miss USA as well. So I, don't, I don't know any of their. Do you know any of them? Like specifically, the one with like, the white this scarf is, is Ann Thompson. This that, is this her? No, I, I think mean, so. that's kind yeah. of white scarf tucked in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this looks like a Miss USA, maybe. Yeah, she's got that, like, pose, it's Miss USA. Right. <laughs> the only other one is this one. <clears throat> I've got a couple more. Um, here's one with the, this is a little scary tiger. Ah. <laughs> it's a little freaky looking up close. But they, when they constructed that fur on the tiger, they went in, like, highly detailed with tiny little you know tools and made all of the texture on that fur it's actually quite a fascinating process to watch one of my captions from these women said uh jungle cruise cheesecake promo photo 1955 oh cheesecake oh my i looked forever to try to figure out what the heck they're talking about cheesecake is kind of like pinup isn't it I don't know. Like I have no idea. But that's what I they called like it. it <laughs> Look at her with the monkey publicity shot. Why did they hire people to take pics with half animals? Well, they they were just they 
so many of these photos we see of them working on these animals were just stage shots. They weren't like these guys weren't necessarily hard at work and them doing it. Sometimes a lot of the Disney photos you see of Imagineers like doing things to models and stuff was just all staged. All of it was staged. So this was just promo basically for the ride because they're saying, look at this cool thing that we're building. You think of the Disneyland story that they had on TV um, and they showed these things being completed and being constructed. So this was just part of that. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at it from the different angles, right? So from the side, you go, oh, man, where's its body? Where's its legs? And then you look from the front and you go, oh, that thing looks perfect. You know, fun fact about elephants, though, is that they have the best memory of any animal in the jungle. I really wish I had a memory like that. <laughs> I have actually kind of a cool video that the audio is terrible, but the video is really fun of them um, actually constructing it. So, OK, I also have the do you have the World's Fair? I also have the World's Fair video. I don't have that. So I have okay, this cool. one. So this is them actually in the shop putting the animals together you can see that giraffe only has a head it's only a head there's no body to the giraffes back then i think in a second they're going to show us yeah they're going to show us actually putting the hippo lifting it into the jungle cruise a uh, half a hippo <laughs> um and we'll talk about the mechanics of it in just a second but that was that i, I love this one kirk it's a little rhino He's coming around the corner for you. <laughs> oh, but he's not a full rhino. I hope he doesn't <laughs> crash into me. <laughs> he's on a cart. So that was just was, my little, little clip. I always like to make a Dave Matthews band joke about when I'm around rhinos. It always works. <laughs> All right. Oh, um, let's bring it back. Yeah, well, I have from the wonderful, wonderful whole world of color disneyland goes to the world's fair which had a lot of different pieces and elements of you know ford's uh what was that ford's motor skyway magic, magic skyway magic skyway uh like there's elements from that this is actually really great that it's even on here it's on so archive.org which is a great uh, place to find one a lot of gas, videos that no longer exist that are really high quality and, and not palmer up by needs submerged YouTube. Uh, so I'm so actually going to play this one with audio. It's not long. It's about power a the Jungle Cruise. So when you see your it's, skipper it's and it's really like loud and it's hard to hear the skipper, to, uh, it's be, you can thank the Palmer. Mm-hmm. We hit for our feature picture, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now the script called for a lifelike monster big enough to destroy a submarine. And obviously you can't hire an actor like that through central casting. <laughs> so we had to create our own two-ton squid. When we needed a cast of lifelike figures for our most ambitious project, Disneyland, we found ourselves in this new field of animation in a big way. When Disneyland opened, our new three-dimensional stars were at hand to greet the public. As Adventureland grew, new inhabitants were added to the jungles, like our elephant pool here. (laughs) 
increased in population also, with bears and fighting elks. I just love it. It's I could hear him, I could listen to him talk about the construction of Disneyland forever. I have something about <laughs> the the fighting elk. Um, can I tell my rhino story now? Because I think it's like it's it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Can you just get to the point? Uh, in the end, I will. Um, <laughs> so this these actually weren't before opening day. So I'm, it's I'm I'm cheating a little bit because these were from 1958. But in 1958, Vic Green asked Bob Gurr to design um, a machine with two charging rhinos that would leap out of at passing boats and scare the guests so they would like charge um so normally in this we'll talk about the mechanics of the hippos and all these things in just a second but normally with this you would have them just like they would charge up and then they would like reverse direction like this but vic actually wanted them to charge up and then turn around and go back and then turn around and wait for the next boat i don't know why i don't know why he just like insisted on this so um, instead of using a simple drum timer, switches, air valves, and cylinders, um, they had to, to make these two rhinos move independently of each other and then rotate back to their charging position. Um, and that was just like a whole new ball game. But Bob Gurr was game. He was like, let's just figure it out. Let's do it, right? Um, so they designed a track layout that would move the rhinos on a wheeled carriage and would mount the rhinos into um, on a rotational post. And then he rigged up some leaf springs that would catch some trigger arms on the post, such as that the rhinos would start to back up. The rhinos would then spin 180 degrees, giving the action that Vic wanted. So they would go and they would turn and they would come back. Um, so it worked well in the machine shop in Burbank, which I just saw. Um, but so they decided to install in the Jungle Cruise because all their tests worked really well. But um, guests started complaining because the rhinos were not always doing the same thing together. And one or both of the rhinos were charging the boat tail first. <laughs> so um, essentially the animal animals were mooning the guests, <laughs> rushing from the back end instead of the front. Um, and Bob Gurr, they said, you've got to fix this immediately. Like, this is not okay. The, the, <laughs> the wrong end of the rhino is <laughs> rushing the guests. So um, this is when he, he learned that the combination of weather, water, and wear was for making unpredictable actions. And mm. he said the lesson he learned was to never depend on a machine design that cannot be precisely operated in a specifically defined manner. Um, so anything, even it has to be simple enough that he can control it, basically. And uh, the funny thing is, though, with the video that you just showed that had the elk that were fighting was the same as those rhinos that they were going to put in the jungle cruise. So they were, they had, I, I won't get into all of that because that's a whole nother story, but they used something very similar where it was, it was more randomized than it was predictable. And he said that one actually did work for about three years on, that was through Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland and they used that in the sixties. So he did end up using it again and trying again and actually got it to work, but it didn't work very well for the jungle cruise. And so, those hippos, those rhinos were removed. And I tried to find pictures of this, but it must have been such a short time that they're just not well documented because I could not find any rhinos besides like, I found the initial rhinos that they did in the publicity photos, like this one, but this must have been just more of a static yeah. figure. But that one's unique because that's more of like, still looks like roughed clay. Yeah. 
if you look yeah. at it, it's not as polished as a uh, fiberglass or a resin mold. Well, and we showed the one that I was in that little video clip that I had too, that was like rolling on towards you. So um, they did have three kinds of animals in the Jungle Cruise. They used ones that were stationary that didn't move, that were essentially just statues. They had ones that used um, small movements, like they would twitch their nose or they would flick their tail. <laughs> Um, and sometimes they even use like springs to, have, to create a simple motion. So they like bob their head and things like that, you know, because they're on a spring. Um, and then they would do ones. The third kind is the ones that would advance on the audience. So they would use intricate machines like cams and rocker arms um, to pivot and move the animals in specific motion. So this is maybe where we should chat about that a little bit. If you're game, Kirk. <laughs> I'm on a spring. Yeah, a spring. I was like, you're nodding your head, the, but I don't. See yeah, the uh, <laughs> I, I loved when I got a chance to hang out with my friends and one who works in the mechanic shop over at Disneyland was telling me that my favorite tiki, my little tiki tongue flapping, is just a spring. He goes, ah, oh, it's the easiest thing in the world, and it's so oh. effective. Like some of those really simple things are literally opens his mouth, and because the the mouth motions like this. The tongue just goes like that on a spring. Just he goes, it's exactly <laughs> like your doorstop or like a that kind of thing. So that's why yeah. it like constantly closes and opens its mouth because then it keeps on making the tongue move more. Oh, so, yeah. that's fascinating. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Well, and they were there were they were very kind of simple machines back then because they mm -hmm. didn't they had not developed any of this audio animatronic. Um, stuff that all came later in the 1960s when they got a lot of the technology from uh, NASA from the Polaris submarine um, and then you got the magnetic tape that they used to create those uh, movements for the audio animatronics they had they didn't have any of that yet so all of these things that we had in the Jungle Cruise originally only used very simple mechanics like Kirk is showing here it's all um, hydraulic cams and rocker arms and um, simple things but i mean look, i've look, never made see, that so and and you can notice uh the two different types of motions little twitchy ears mm -hmm. and then full advancing on guests yeah and so they had ones they had for the hippo pool since that's where we're at right now they did have ones that lifted up like that they also had ones that were would actually go on a track towards you um where was that one like this so they would move towards you. So that was how they would move. So they're on a track and then they would back up and they had less than a minute to prepare for the next boat. So whatever motion they did, they had to be prepared. And the way that the animals knew to do this motion was because of infrared beams that they had going across the river. And when a boat crossed that beam, it would trigger the motion for the animals. That's cool. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be one of the first uses of infrared in a attraction. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough about, you know, you want to know why Disney is larger and better than most theme parks is because they were massive innovators and they were massive innovators from the start. You know, first cartoon full feature film, you know, it's there's there's so many things that they've done throughout the course of their their history. That's just. I mean, I, I, it's unmatched, the amount of yeah. firsts. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they, they were the first ones 
for um, synchronized sound, right? For Steamboat Willie, we had, they were the first ones to invent the um, multi-plane camera to do the 3D technology for that so that you would look like it's actually in um, depth inside the film. They I were love the first that. ones to do full length animation. They were the full, they mean everything they did was innovative and most of Disneyland, I would say, was had never been done before when they did it, which is why it didn't always work perfectly when it started, yeah. because they had to learn a few things, make a few mistakes along the way. And that's OK. You got to crack a few eggs. <laughs> yes, indeed. Much like the rhinos, uh, you know, sometimes you go face first, sometimes you go, you know. <laughs> um, we didn't show this one yet, but I feel like we have to. This is good old Walt with his hippos. I have some great uh, <laughs> just like random Walt pictures with animals, too, because they're just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we already talked about how the animals were half hidden by foliage. Oh, something that did happen. They said they used a ton of rubber hose and steel springs. Um, the hippos alone needed three different sets of cams and electric motors to power them. So they were like really involved. The hippo pool was. And then, um, but the artificially colored water, like we talked about that, how the color is mixed in Schweitzer Falls, but the artificially colored water provided an, um, an accidental side effect that so it coated all the animals in a slush that then interrupted the spinning of basic cogs and wheels. So they learned pretty quickly that all of the stuff that was in the water would actually like clog up all the, who knew, putting mechanics in water that there, <laughs> there would be issues. Would die <laughs> and slush. Yeah. Can we talk about the hippos like tusks? Have you seen those pictures of the hippos? I mean, we were just looking at tusks. pictures of their tusks. They're very short and forward. But uh, let me well, pull out. Like, I'll pull out this one because it's just it's a little absurd. Yeah. So look how the, the tusks are like laid out to the side. Right. So I did a little bit of research and I'm like, what the heck is going on with these hippos tusks? So um I learned that the, the tusks are the largest canines in hippo's mouth, and they're similar to elephants where they're made of ivory, but they're more dense and less susceptible to wear. So um, they were very valuable and hunted for their tusks, just like uh, elephants were. Um, and they also used tusks. Hippo, hippo tusks were used for dentures and individual tooth replacements in the 18th century. So these tusks were a big feature of the hippos. Um, so but it's interestingly, they don't have them like today so i have this is another picture like that of how they used to look actually on the attraction and then today this is what they look like today they don't have them sticking out at odd angles they're more hmm. kind of straight up and down which is how so somewhere the tusks actually look on a hippo yeah well i have found a few pictures of the tusks kind of sticking out but it's more like they needed some orthodontic work but <laughs> Maybe that mm -hmm. was an odd picture they found, but I think it's, it's interesting. A, that yeah, some some hippos they'll go externally and some will go internally because I've I've been to a couple of zoos and it depends. Yeah, but these yeah. these actually there is a uh, specific term for these uh, in the animal world of dentistry. They call these summer tusks because uh, summer here and summer there. <laughs> I was all ready for the facts. Oh my goodness! There's it was another too great elaborate of a setup. A good picture of him and all the 
mechanical pieces there with the tusks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have also have this really fun line, like lineup of all the hippos ready to go out outside. It reminds me studios. of when we saw all of the uh, pirates' boats all like lined up and stacked. That's exactly how that feels. Well, I think this is the machine shop, which I actually have a picture of yeah. um, from the time that I was there. Um, where is it? Here. So this is the actual machine shop now. This is the back of it. Still there. Um, and here's the map of the studios where you can see it's behind the ink and paint department. So if you look, it's like ooh, this one right here, the square is the machine shop. So it was right next to Ink and Paint. I think is interesting. Um, if you want to relive any of this stuff here in Florida, go to uh, Backlot Express. Because they, they do have a machine shop. They do have an Ink and Paint. It's fun. It's as close as you're going to get to the studios there, for sure. <laughs> um, I do have this thing that shows how the hippos get out of the water, too. Um, and it says the anatomy of mechanical hippopotamus includes a glass fiber hide and hydraulic changers. Hi, sorry. Hydraulic cylinders, mm. A and B, that move head and body. So it shows you a picture of how the hippos rise out of the water, which I think is pretty neat. Oh, that's where's that from? Oh, I don't know. I found it somewhere. Oh, that's research. cool. That is that is Money. really that's awesome. Look at that piston. So you can see there's there's A and B. So there's there's the one that's down low, and then there's the one that's within his head that kind of makes his head go up and down. It's crazy. So. And this is where it says the boat cuts off a uh, cuts beam of electric eye to trigger animal action. Hippo facts. I was looking for more hippo pictures. I actually have a couple, but uh, I stumbled okay. across uh, Taylor Swift. Apparently, was there in nineteen fifty-five? No, that's the one. That's that's Miss America. I know that's Miss America. She's with the I'm Nile just, Princess. I know. I, I know. That's what I was gonna get. That yeah. It's Carly. <laughs> I was just King excited Johnson. that you found the Miss America yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, Carly King Johnson. <laughs> she does kind of look like Taylor Swift. Doesn't she have a little bit of a Taylor Swift vibe? Just a touch. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I found this one, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Just firing off in his mouth. I think they put a little too much uh, gunpowder in that one, maybe. It's a um, skipper that's got a Hawaiian shirt who's aiming directly <laughs> at the hippo and uh, looks like he's taking him down. It's kind of like Hawaii Five-0 or what was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a fun one. Yeah. I. You know what? I think I dumped a lot of my hippo picks because you had shown a bunch of them, but I have a bunch of random animal picks if we want to do them. Well, if we want to talk about the alligators, that same one that I had that mm-hmm. I just showed you, the um, this says the mechanical alligators out of water are seen on framework that rotates on tracks of steel tubing. So you can see the tracks there that they go around. And that was what was in the video with the guy with no shirt on who's like riding on the alligators. <laughs> Every time yeah. I see that, I'm like, it's like Florida man. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's actually how I get to uh, Disney so fast in the morning. Uh, it's faster than I four around Davenport. I just grab a croc and uh, swim on through. I'm dying over here. It's, a, it's the easiest way I can to get. See you actually doing Disney. That. So much easier, honestly. It's the worst going on that. You just grab. You just grab. You got to hold his mouth open, which is annoying. But yeah. You know. 
That's well, why that's I'm so what tired. Makes him go faster, right? It's holding his right. mouth open. Well, that's yeah. It's the throttle. You know, you just pull back and it gets you a little bit further. Here's a picture of what they look like actually in the water. You can. It's hard, a little hard to see, but you see the circles in the water from the tracks, so you can see where they yeah. have gone around and around. This is where the current day uh, elephant bathing pool is. If you're wondering where these hippos on, or these sorry, these crocodiles, alligators, crocodiles. What are they? Gators. On I tracks, believe, wherever, yeah, I believe these ones are actually alligators. Okay. Wherever these alligators are, if you're wondering where they're at, they were taken out when they put in the um, elephant bathing pool, which we'll talk about on future episodes when we kind of go through the ride, because um, that's part of Mark Davis's updates to the attraction. But that's why they're not there anymore, because they were replaced. Can I show you a prop that is less than realistic, but more so probably put in like a tribal section of Disneyland? It's a Chris Mueller too, but it's made of wood and it is an alligator. Oh yeah. So I'm assuming it probably went into, um, I don't know. It was, this has got to be a decorative, not a, like like no guest is going to be like, what? (laughs) You know, that I'm assuming that's, that's some sort of, decorative piece yeah i don't think i've ever seen that and they also have um, a whole well it sold in december 11th in 2018 so you ain't gonna see it somebody has this in their house they're riding it currently in circles forever (laughs) they've mounted it on a track in their living room (laughs) like this is the greatest day of my life (laughs) (laughs) i have too much money Oh my gosh. I feel like we need to do a video of us just recreating some of these <laughs> machine <laughs> shops, like testing. Oh gosh. Okay. So this is um, a little pod of, <clears throat> I don't know what a, what, what, what a group of alligators is called, but a float. A, a float. Called That's a float, right. a, a float mm-hmm. of alligators uh, outside the Cambodian temple area. Um, they were in the water. You still see a few these days. Sometimes they're more on land than they are in the water. And there's a great shot of exactly where these are um, with the ruins right there. So you can see where they were located. There also, there's two other ones. I just had to look it up. A congregation. And then, but if they're on land, they can also be called a basque. Because they're in the hmm. sun. Uh, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. An alligator float. It sounds like a drink you get in Port Orleans. Yeah. Uh, yep. There, they so had they where... had some sort of like Bayou Gator drink for Mardi Gras on Fat Tuesday. I forget what it was called, though. It was like Bayou Brew. <laughs> it was I green. Was, I, I it was, was in very... 33 for Fat Tuesday, so... <laughs> <clears throat> super jealous and i'm so happy you got to do that (laughs) it was really fun um there's a nice picture too of the rhino and you can see how you don't really see much of his legs because again the vegetation is all around him but that would be that rhino we saw earlier with the model so i was looking at the rhinos and that specific movement the reason why the rhinos had so much trouble um charging uh, was because they only take crash. <laughs> okay. 
Yes, I did. Because it's good. Like, not a lot of people will get that joke. And if you did get that joke, then I, I am very happy you didn't get it. <laughs> I know what that one was. I got it. I got the joke. Yeah. I want credit for one. that. I don't get all the jokes. It's a good one. I like this one because it just has a whole bunch of ducks sitting on top of the alligators, which is, I'm not sure how realistic that is, but <laughs> it happened on the Jungle Cruise. I mean, there are birds on top of alligators quite a bit. Well, there you it's go. It's pretty normal. So I don't know about ducks, but yeah. yeah. I've never oh, seen a duck in Florida on top of. You know what's interesting? Turtles and alligators are always around each other. I don't know why that is. They always are. They're always buds. Huh, interesting. Well, um, this I know is actually from the elephant bathing pool later, but I feel like how did they get all these animals from the machine shop that I showed you in Disney Studios in Burbank? This is a long drive, friends. I just did this drive, and it's even more in traffic. So how did they get them there? Well, they did this. They put them <laughs> on trucks. <laughs> well, there's like a camera guy next to him. <laughs> Oh, hang on. Can you keep that um that picture up? Because I just want to mm-hmm. give a shout out to my buddy uh Gene Gonda. He uh now he did this in worlds, but he literally helped sculpt, paint, and construct uh our Bertha down here. That's fun. Yeah. It's he sent me so many pictures. I love that. It's just so cool. That's really neat. So that's I think that's mostly what I have for the actual construction or the mechanism for them do you have anything else for them i do i do Mm -hmm. i have pictures all right uh also just putting them in place in the attraction they use cranes so it's fun to see this one uh is unique because there's actually guests in this boat so i'm like what is going on there unless that was like a press thing so this didn't happen and that is from when Mark Davis, that was a Mark Davis one. So that didn't happen until the 19th, early 1960s. So oh, this is like a later on. Later. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so hang on. This is interesting because this one has, uh, this had like a bunch of, and this is why I confused it because I swore, I was like, uh, really? Because there was all of these cranes putting things inside. Mm-hmm. And it looked like Disneyland. I mean, maybe this is an updated one, but. So that is, again, um, after those Mark Davis updates, because we didn't have any full size giraffe until it was just that next. update. Because you can see here is the next just behind all this foliage. And it's like that video we saw where it's just kind of a head moving around mm-hmm. uh, with a neck. Um, so we didn't have that full size giraffe until the early 1960s. Here's but our white like scarf. Photos. Yeah, this is on like a random flicker. (laughs) Also, I love this dude. This is also random, but you can see they're building horses in here. (laughs) The dude in the back of the teapot. (laughs) He's just holding (laughs) it. I I have a friend who currently works in the prop warehouse right now in in Disneyland. And she sends me pictures all the time. And it'll be like, I've opened a box today with random o's and it'll be like a bunch of o's you know like like lettering and then there was like a skeleton creature that just said oh (laughs) she was like i don't know what any of this is so like half of her job she does a lot of um like scenic work so when they had mardi gras in uh liberty square she was or or no what do you what do you guys call it new orleans square 
right? Mm -hmm. No? Yeah. French? Yes? Okay. New Orleans in Square. New Orleans Square. She did a lot of the, uh, like the balcony scenes for Mardi Gras. Um, so it does they a lot of that amazing. stuff. Amazing. Oh, spot well, on. I will mm -hmm. tell her that they were amazing. This lady is acting like a duck <laughs> and riding she's, a gator. She's riding the gator. <clears throat> Look at this. You got some more mechanized stuff. It's at, still in the machine shop. Mm -hmm. It's all interspersed, though. Yeah. Well, and I have this. Um, these are the this is the original lion and lioness scene with the zebra, the sleeping zebra, which. Oh, that was good timing. So Tell, it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> so these were not you notice that they're not covered. There's no covered area. They're just kind of just tucked in with the plants. Right. Because that um, lion cave did not come around until um, I think the 1970s is when they put it in to try to create some definition so that you would it would hide the trap safari scene that comes after it, which we'll talk about in in future episodes. But I think it's 1976 is actually when they covered them. So they were just out in the elements for a really long time, chilling in the jungle, watching their sleeping zebra. Yeah, that zebra is so old, it's still in black and white. <laughs> uh, I know you this is... You brought it with the jokes today. I'll tell I know you. this. Well, it's a jungle cruise. Uh <laughs> you know it's like how do you not dude you missed it there was i don't know what live it was but i was on fire i think i don't i don't even remember where we were i it was in dax somewhere it might have been on the safari and i was spitting like i wish i could record and download that it was so good you know i mean i could but i'm not yeah. going to but it would be awesome uh i i believe this is actually ours this is ours this is yeah when i buy I mean by ours is world, but just so you can see the elephants with no feetsies and scaffolding below them to keep them upright out of the water, which is like so crazy to see him like sitting on a platform. But what else are they going to do? They have to elevate them somehow to get them out of the water, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not that deep. You notice there that those people Oop. walking around and how high those platforms are. They're really, it's not a deep no. river. No, if you like know. fell into it, it's like when that boat sank yeah, there was a lot of water, about like two feet of water that came in, but mm -hmm. it's not like it's where's it going to go? <laughs> There's yeah. cement everywhere, you know. Yeah. And last picture I have is just Walt petting a hyena. Yeah, that's also with Mark Davis's additions. But mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I love that picture of Walt. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's just having fun, chilling with his hyena. Um, <clears throat> so. I think that's most of what I've got. You have anything else? Is that all yours? That's it. I'm cash money. I got nothing. Okay. So, do we want to talk about soundscapes for I've a got, second? I've got nothing on it. So, this is, okay. I'm just going to, this This will be my soundscape where I just listen. You can just Maybe show I some find... pictures of the jungle curse while I talk about this. I will. I have plenty of those. Okay. So, the very, so we're going to just transition here a little bit. We're going to talk about the sounds of the jungle that you hear in the Jungle Cruise, not the music necessarily in the queue. We'll talk about that when we do our episode on the queue itself. Um, but this is more the jungle noises, which you maybe don't think about that much, but they do add a whole lot to the attraction. <laughs> um, 
I love that the, the very first night that Walt Disney ever slept in his firehouse apartment, you remember the pictures that we showed you, his apartment is on the other side of the Jungle Cruise. They're like literally just a little stand of trees that separate them. But the first night he slept there, they didn't turn off the jungle noises. And so he said he couldn't sleep. It was just as bad as being in a real jungle because you have monkeys going, you know, like in, in the cause and like, oh, God, like you've got like all the noises coming from the jungle. And it was so bad he couldn't sleep. <clears throat> the person who was in charge of the Jungle Cruise noises was James Hervey, and he worked for uh, the Ralk Company, which was the company that got the contract for all the audiovisual effects in the park, which is kind of interesting because they you would think that they would just do it in-house, but they hadn't really done anything of this scale um, outdoors in an uncontrolled environment. They usually use, this, use sound stages to pre-record all of their um, audiovisual effects, and they didn't have to think about having them be in motion and outdoors and all the stuff. So they had an actual company come in to help them. So one entire um, section of the park, this is, this is actually from an article that was written about this. So this is, I'm just going to give you what was written. It says one, one entire section of the park is a simulated African jungle in which three types of sound effects are required. They are intermittent localized effects, which must come in on cue, such as trumpeting of a mechanical elephant as visitors approach one of the 5-8 scale river boats, continuous localized effects such as constant chattering of monkeys in one area of the jungle, and continuous overall effects which would be heard virtually any, everywhere in the jungle at all times, such as the purr of lions, bird sounds, noises, crickets, frogs at night, etc. <clears throat> One particular device, especially devised for the Disneyland project, moves the background noises from one section of the jungle to another quite realistically. And this is called continuous automatic fader. That was what they needed the technology. So they started developing new technology for the sounds in Disneyland, right? So he says, how the sound effects are handled in the section of the park called Adventureland are of particular interest, especially the various type, various effects that come on, on a specific cue. For example, a typical sequence of events producing an intermittent localized effect goes something like this. As the riverboat nears the rhino land of the jungle tour, it interrupts a photocell beam, so infrared beam, right? Reaching across the river, infrared filters keep the beam invisible. The signal from the photocell trips relays, which are located in the mechanical rhinos, thus setting them in motion and also starting the tape in one of 150 cartridge type repeating tape players in the control room of the jungle area. Sound from this continuous loop tape is fed into a 30 watt amplifier and in turn to a camouflage loudspeaker at the rhino's location. So like a lot going on here when this thing, this thing drips. When rhino tape has run its course, this takes but a matter of seconds, the tape player automatically stops. However, when the rhino tape is originally started, it, it also activated a relay for the next sound effect, thus providing a specific delay during which time the boat moved further down the river. After the delay, a second tape player producing a sound for a mechanical elephant located on one side of the river is started as soon as the elephant begins to move. The repeater units provide continuous local sound effects, but here is there is no control or switching involved. The tape loop simply runs continuously. A third type of sound effect used in the park is the continuous overall effect providing jungle sounds for the entire area. Used on a self-reversing tape player, it, the tape, is fed into a 50-watt amplifier and then sequ sequentially to five groups of loudspeakers, eight speakers a group, by means of 
the continuous automatic fader designed for that purpose. This device was developed especially for Disneyland to heighten the illusion. A different soundtrack is used in the evening. This soundtrack was actually taped in the African jungle at night and brings authentic sounds to the listener. So that was from um, a journal called the radio called Radio and Television News. It was an article they did on this technology that they were pioneering in Disneyland. So I love that they actually use sounds that they recorded in the actual African jungle for the evening sounds. And I never realized that they switched them from morning to from daytime to evening. They're different sounds. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So there's little attentions to um, to jungle, you know, jungle behaviors. Yep. So that that's plane? I don't know. What? Do you hear that? Yeah. What the... I think it's a plane. I think I'm in a microwave. <laughs> so that's that's mainly my my take is that there's they use these sounds. They use ones where the animals themselves have their individual sounds that you hear that are tripped by the boats going by by an infrared beam. And then you have the ones that are like the overall sounds that you hear in the jungle. And you don't really think about that, you know, you just kind of take it for granted. These are the small things that actually matter. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the reason why the theme parks are so unique and not like every other place. I mean, when you, when you think about the, the term theme park, I mean, these, these things are production showpieces, hence why we're on stage when we're watching um, a ride versus just existing and going on something really quickly. I don't know. And nobody's really figured that out as well as Disney has. People have come really close, but still it's not the same. Well, if you think about like the five senses, you know, if they're engaging all of our senses, they're going to be more immersive in our, our experience will be more immersive than if they weren't. So if we went on the jungle cruise, but there was no, smell of the water and no sound of the jungle like they might have the animals we might be seeing animals and plants but we don't feel like we're immersed like maybe we're hearing an airplane going by over like well okay well i'm not in the middle of nowhere because i'm hearing you know the freeway the santa Ana freeway and the airplanes going by you know so engaging all of those senses with you know they use smellitizers they use soundscaping they use um audio visual all the things that they use the um and the, the forces that they have on your body making you feel like you're going faster than you are, like on cars um, and Radiator Springs racers, all of those things really do make you feel like you are in the story and part of it versus just um, a bystander or not, you know, watch it on TV. Yeah. What's the yeah. point of doing that? Just watch it on no TV. Point. Just watch it on TV. Do you, ever listen to, do you ever listen to your voiceovers with no audio added? And you're like, oh, God. It needs a background. Yeah, no, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> also, I no, wish thanks. we had piranha. I know this has I nothing know. to do with right now, but I it bothers me. Him. This is just, it bothers me to like... no end. It's such a cool effect to the piranha. Mm -hmm. Like this shooting of water, it's it's all like, it's it's very, what, 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 oh. what word am I looking for? 
I always feel like I'm going to get sprayed by the piranha, but I never have been, never gotten wet. They like the way they have figured it out is amazing because mm-hmm. you just don't get wet. I mean, there's jets of water that are these things are spinning around and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The closest I have to piranha is when I'm on the rivers of America and the bass goes around. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's the closest I got. And I'm like, I wish you were a piranha. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love the one you're with kirk <laughs> <laughs> i've got wandering piranha eyes what can i say oh well i didn't know <laughs> reel it in too. kirk <laughs> funny. something i realized on this past mm-hmm. trip to disneyland is something they use um that I'd never noticed before. And I texted you about this earlier because I was like, I don't think they do this in Disney World. Is the skippers, I was, the skipper that was um, sailing our boat. I'm like, what, what is the term? Piloting our boat. Pilot. Um, they said, I'm just waiting for those three magical words. And I was like, what words are they waiting for? And then they said, hit it, skip. From the one on the shore said, hit it, skip. And I was like, is this a thing? Do they do this every time? So I went on it a couple more times. I have to be sure, right? And I love the Jungle Cruise and there was no wait. So um, and every single time, hit it, skip, hit it, skip. And I was like, I don't think they do this in Disney World. I think it's just Disneyland. And I, it turns out, like Kirk says, he doesn't remember them saying that at all. No, so, they, they never skips. ever say that. I'm going to pay attention. They say hit but it, skip. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't recognize them ever saying that. Yeah. So that's a really interesting thing that, so if anybody is a Jungle Cruise skipper and knows a Jungle Cruise skipper and you know, I'm a Disneyland or Disney World, do you think we could find it? Do you think we could find it in our operation manual? Maybe. I you haven't know? seen it though. Yeah, yeah. I'll look around. But if anybody knows why this is a thing in Disneyland and not Disney World, I would love to know. It's really fun. That's a good question. Now I'm going to say hit it, skip, every time you're like, are you ready to go? <laughs> Hit it, skip. Hit it, skip. <laughs> I do. I am going to make a shirt that says skipper jokes for days or I got skipper jokes. for. Da- I don't know which one's better. I'm going to do a hit it, skip one. <laughs> that sounds fun. Make a fun sticker. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I don't have anything else on the soundscapes right now. We've got plenty about music for the queue, but I won't go there yet because we are not no. ready. We're not ready for the queue. No. Queue is a whole episode maybe two thing i'm <laughs> stressed itself. about no i'm not stressed but thank you so much for listening to another episode of history you crazy wild historians learning about the jungle cruise next week it seems like we're going to queue it up and get in line and head over to probably start at disneyland and then do walt disney world another week and uh start talking about the queues so we're not on the ride but we're in the show of the ride but at least we we built the thing so we do have a good yeah. foundation. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for everybody being accommodating, showing up tonight. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Kate, what's your words of wisdom? Hit it, Skip. <laughs> Wait, you're going the wrong way. You're supposed to charge, <laughs> not your heads that, never mind. <laughs> you talk about the rhinos, like, don't moon your audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't worry, kids. They all have their trunks on. Take as many pictures as you want. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. I'll catch you tomorrow. (laughs) See you, Kate. Have a good night, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) See you.